Hug fam, welcome to episode number 93. This is Justin and your intro host for today. We're so glad you're tuning in to our podcast. Just want to invite you to come join our Zoom services on Sundays, IRL, in real life, as in real life virtual, 11 a.m. So just log on to hugchurch.com and see all the links there. And also, I just want to say thank you for all your support that the, this church has been given. And so if you want to continue to support us, just visit hugchurch.com slash give. Well, as we go into our service today, I want to ask you our family time question. And the question is, what do you love to collect? What do you love to collect? And in our Zoom call this past week, we had so many people talking about stamps or coins, basketball cards, anything. For me, I collected toothbrushes. I know, super weird, but I had a thing for toothbrushes apparently. So, without further ado, I want to introduce you to our speaker for today, Anthony Jang. Well, good morning, Hug family. My name is Anthony, and I'm the resident pastor here at Hug. And if this is your first time watching, I just want to say welcome. You know, we would love to meet you after service on our Zoom, you know, because it's just a time that we get to get to know one another. And you know what? Speaking of getting to know one another, we had our family time question today. And our family time question was, what did you enjoy collecting? Now, for those who don't know, I actually grew up on an island in the Pacific Ocean, Guam, and I think the thing that I would enjoy collecting would be these Guam Spam cans. That's right. Spam gave Guam our own cans. That's how much Spam we eat on the island. But, you know, I know a lot of people, they like to collect a lot of different things, books, stamps, Disney memorabilia, plants, comic books, maybe anything vintage. And I think the only thing that I collected were cards. You know, I collected basketball cards, football cards, and I would put them in this three-ring binder, and I would have this section on my bookshelf that I would dedicate holding these cards. And, you know, the, the special cards, you know, my rookie or my jersey cards, I would put them in special cases, and I put them in, like, this select corner of where it was really, really special. But there was this one binder that I kept hidden. There was this one binder that I didn't want anyone to know. I don't want anyone to touch. And the binder carried all my Pokemon cards. That's right. I used to collect Pokemon cards. Because Pokemon was, when it first came out in the US, it was crazy popular. You know, and some of the Pokemon cards that I had were more expensive than some of the basketball cards I own. I mean, Pokemon isn't even real. And they're like these fantasy creatures that would cost more than these athletes who would accomplish these great things. You know, and I think it's crazy how Pokemon became so popular all over the world. You know, when you, think, when you think about it, TV show, movies, games, toys, you know, so many people remember the intro of the show. And you're probably singing it and humming it right now, aren't you? Because everyone loved the story. The story was about this boy whose dream is to be a Pokemon master. And he traveled around, trained, and does everything he can to be the very best like no one ever was. Because he believed that deep down inside him, he was called to do great things. And we can resonate with that. You know, with this idea of having this deep calling, this, this deep drive inside of us to chase after this dream, this goal. And we would try our very best. And we would chase after this dream to be the best person. 
We would even read books on how we can be a better leader, a better parent, a better husband, a better wife. Because we have this deep feeling down deep inside our hearts calling us to rise up. And maybe you sometimes feel that there's this existential calling to be someone that you never imagined you thought you can be. And you sometimes wonder that you were created for something greater. That you were created to do something great, but you don't even know yet. But when you look at your life now and you see yourself, you get more and more disappointed than feeling excited. Because you look yourself in the mirror and you see yourself and it's like, this person, this isn't who I wanted to be. And maybe you're not at your fitness goal right now. The, the, the goal that you made at the beginning of the year. And maybe you didn't hit these milestones that, th- that you thought you were going to reach. Maybe you saw yourself right now that you would be married or in a relationship. Or maybe you saw yourself making tons of money and, and having this, this position in your career. But you see yourself now and you feel that there's this deep part of you that's calling you, that's calling you to do something great, to be someone. And here at Hug, you know, we're on this new series called Hello Future, and we've been talking about how we want to create something new for the future and to say goodbye to the past. And Eddie shared an amazing message last week asking the question, why do we stop trying? And today, you know, we want to, get to, we, we want to say goodbye to the past and say hello to the future. Because there's something deep inside of us, something deep inside of you calling you. And today, I want us to ask this question. Is that how do I be who I'm called to be? And we get to look at someone who had to be who he was called to be where he least expected it. And we are going to look at Jesus and how he entered into the story. And we're going to read when Jesus starts his ministry journey, when he, was, when he called his disciples to come and follow him, and he was about to start this, this, the, the ministry, that he was going to be the savior of the world. And this is where we begin in John chapter 2, verse 1. And it says this, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus, his disciples, had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. Have you ever watched those wedding fail videos? Like on the wedding fail videos you watch on YouTube, like these videos would be like where, where something can go wrong, will go wrong. And one of my favorite wedding fail videos is actually when a dog was supposed to carry the wedding rings uh, up to the altar, but instead starts running up and down the aisle, going through all the seats, wanting to get petted. It was super cute. But probably the worst video that I saw was when the best man started pulling out the rings. He accidentally trips and pushes the groom, the priest, and the bride into the water over the altar. I mean, talk about the worst wedding ever, or probably the best story to share. 
And Jesus, his mother, and his disciples were all invited to this wedding. And sometimes, you know, uh, what, what, what would happen in this wedding was the groom was in charge of the wine and everything. And, you know, during these weddings, these weddings would last for about a week. But if the provisions would run out, it would look totally irresponsible to the, uh, to, to the husband. And everyone would see how irresponsible the husband would be. You know, and since Jesus and his mother were invited, you know, the wedding, you know, it may have been maybe a close relative or maybe a friend. So Mary, Jesus' mother, of course, asks, you know, Jesus, can you do something? Because in this time, we don't see Joseph. And, you know, uh, maybe an argument is that Mary is a widow. And that means Jesus, he being the firstborn son, he would take care of the household. He would be taking care of his family. You know, he would be the main source of income, the problem solver. So when Jesus' mother turns to him saying that, hey, we need something, you know, it's, it's really no surprise. But when Mary, Jesus' mother, shares, we need to do something. We need to help this man out. We're invited. Jesus responds with why. Wait, why, why do you involve me? Because Jesus' ministry started. And he was about to show the world that he is the Savior. He is the coming Messiah. And the one who's going to save mankind from sin. And now you're asking me to save a wedding that, I, that has nothing to do with me? I mean, how tempting is it to say when, 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 something's not, when, you, when, when something uh, is not pertaining to you, it's like, hey, that's not my problem. Or say, hey, you know, you know what? I can't do that right now. It's not, it's not what I'm responsible for. Or maybe you want to say, seriously? You want to ask me that right now? And can you imagine being called out to fix something that has nothing to do with you? And even if Jesus had no responsibility, he had no obligation to do anything, we continue reading. And in verse 5, it says this. His mother said to the servant, do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Then Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. You know, though Jesus didn't have to do anything, Jesus decided to act. You know, he starts telling the servants, Fill the jars up to the brim as much as you can. And can you imagine being a servant and like, and when Jesus tells you, hey, go fill the water, and filling the stone, uh, stone jars with water, and thinking like, oh my goodness, how is this going to help? We're running out of wine, not running out of water. Like, do you even know what you're doing? You know, it, it kind of reminds me of when I try to help, uh, help out when I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, it kinda, actually kind of reminds me of when I help out in my friend's garden. And I think we have a lot of people here at Hug who actually love plants, who actually love gardening. Um, and so I think that's something totally wonderful. But honestly, I don't know. When I went over, I didn't know what I was doing. And I just went to go do what they told me to do. So they just told me to, hey, Anthony, go lift up this bag of dirt and put it from one corner to the other. And that's basically just what I did. But Jesus, he knew what he was doing. 
And after the servants listened to Jesus, filled the jars with water, he then tells them, draw some water out, draw some out, and give it to the master of the banquet. Like, really? Like, you just told me to fill this jar with water, and you want me to what? Like, Jesus, this isn't even high-quality water. This isn't Fiji water. This is, this is the water that we use to clean our guests. But you know what? No matter, the servants still drew the water, and they still brought it to the master of the banquet. And can you imagine the kind of looks Jesus was getting from the other servants, from the other disciples? I mean, are you crazy? Are you seriously going to give the master of the banquet the, the water that was used for ceremonial cleaning when we're, when we're out of wine and it's going to be a huge debacle, a huge disaster? This is what you want to do? But no matter how far-fetched it may have seemed, Jesus still knew what he was doing. And we see what happens in verse 9. And then the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first sign, first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus knew he had no business to do anything at the wedding. You know, honestly, he probably didn't want to do anything at the wedding. Him to do something? He, that's not the reason why he did it. He was not going to wait to do what he was called to do, who he was called to be. He wasn't going to wait to be the Messiah. He wasn't just going to be on the side and just wait for circumstances to unfold as, you know what, maybe this is a good time to be the Messiah. He wasn't going to, he wasn't going to say, fine, you know what, um, I'll be Jesus Christ tomorrow and be Jesus, uh, son of Mary, uh, Mary's son today. No, he wasn't going to wait. He wasn't going to wait to be who he was called to be because he was going to be who he was called to be today, right now, and show everyone he is the Messiah. And when Jesus showed up and, he, and, and chose to be who he was called to be at the wedding, the servants were amazed and believed. His disciples were amazed and believed. And he used the wedding as a place to show, not that they need more wine, but to show who he is. Because Jesus turned water into wine, not to be, not to show a cool magic trick, but to show, to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world that he was called to be. You know, and how many times, you know, have we wondered, how do I be who I'm called to be? Even though we may feel that we're not ready, you know, the timing isn't right. Maybe I'll wait for a better opportunity. And we keep wondering, how do I be who I'm called to be? You know, and if you're wondering, how do I be who I'm called to be? 
You know, I want us, I want us to live like Jesus did. I want us to live like Jesus did. That if you want to be who you're called to be, I need to show up in everything I do. If I want to be who I'm called to be, I need to show up in everything I do. You know, and this reminds me of one of my favorite sports movies, Rocky. You know, and I'm talking about the 1970 classic movie that started, all, that started it all, Rocky One. Because the movie's about uh, this, this, this man named Rocky Balboa, a small-town boxer given an opportunity to fight the heavyweight champ, Apollo Creed. But not wanting to fight, you know, at first because he was just this small-town chump, Rocky eventually agrees to fight in this exhibition bout. You know, and he starts training. And Apollo, the, the heavyweight champion, he, he wasn't taking Rocky seriously, you know, thinking that he was just this guy, you know, this chump from a small boxing gym. But everyone else saw that there was something else in Rocky's eyes. That there was something else when he was training and punching those, uh, the, the meat in, in, in the freezer. But even though Rocky had the fire in his eyes, the night before the fight, you know, he, he began to lose confidence. You know, and he started to have doubts about the fight. And not being able to sleep, he, he wakes up his, his, his girlfriend, Adrian, and then he, he begins to pour out his heart. And he's, he's saying, like, who, who am I kidding? I'm not even in this guy's league. What can I even do? You know, <laughs> he's just going to pulverize me. He's just going to rip my head open. But as he was laying there, he was saying that there's one thing, though. That it, it didn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter even if I lose. The one thing that I just want is I just want to go the distance. I just want to go the distance because you know what? No one ever went the distance with Apollo Creed before. And I want to go the distance because I know when that bell rings and I went the distance, you know, I'm going to prove to myself. I'm going to prove to the world that I'm not just a chump. You know, and during the fight, you know, Rocky shows up. Even though he had all this doubt, he still shows up to the fight. You know, he was scared, doubtful. It didn't matter. And in the first round, Rocky comes out, and they're having this first bout, and boom, Rocky knocks down Apollo Creed. That never happened before. And now round after round, Punch after punch, ribs broken, eyes swollen, closed shut. The fight goes to full 15 minutes or full 15 rounds. Because Rocky refused to go down. He refused to quit because he showed up. And he wanted to prove to everyone. He wanted to prove, more importantly, to himself that he can go the distance. And when that bell rang, it didn't matter if he won or if he lost. He knew that he showed up and went the distance. You know, and I'm wondering, you know, how many of us are waiting? You know, we're waiting and we're wondering, you know, how do I be who I'm called to be? You know, and we just, we're just going through life. But I want you to know that you're not just called just to go through life. But you're called to do so much more than that. 
You're called to show up and to live the life God has given you. Because Jesus had the power to change the course of the wedding. When, when the wedding was, was, was leading towards a catastrophe, this, it, was, it was going to lead to this disaster, Jesus chose to show up and create a future that wasn't going to lead to destruction for the entire wedding, but to show up and give hope. And when Jesus showed up, that's exactly what he did. And when we show up in everything we do, just like Jesus, we can create something amazing in our future. So what does that look like? To show up in your life right now. You know, you know maybe you've, you've told yourself that, you know, when you're better in shape or when, you're, when, you're, when your fitness is better, then you'll start doing X, Y, Z. But you know what? Maybe that's not showing up anymore. Maybe showing up right now is, is downloading the, the Nike Run app. You know, right now, just downloading the Nike Run app and adding friends and saying, hey, guys, I'm just going to start running half a mile a day or half a mile or one mile a week. You know, maybe you're single and you've been waiting to be this amazing boyfriend and this amazing girlfriend for that special someone. And you're just waiting for them to call on you. But maybe showing up right now is not waiting for the love of your life. But maybe it's showing up right now and being the man, being the woman before you start even dating. Maybe you're wondering right now, how do you show up in your job, in your, in, in, in your, in your position? What, what can I do? And right now, maybe you're showing up and you're not liking the person who's showing up in your life. And you're, and you're waiting for things to get better. You're waiting for things to be perfect. But guess what? Showing up is all, in, in, in all that you do changes the course of your future. And I want to call on you today. I want to call on you. Is that how will you show up this week? I want to encourage you. How will you be more present with your family? Being intentional, creating a safe space of love. You know, how are you going to choose and show up to make healthier life choices? Eating, sleeping, exercising. Will, will you give yourself space to be creative? Will you give yourself space to express yourself? Or maybe showing up right now is just about being open to Jesus. Maybe it's about being open to how Jesus wants to impact your life and how he wants you to show up in everything you do. You know, I want to encourage you to show up and allow God to be, to help you be the person he called you to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you Lord, it is sometimes the scariest thing to, to rise up, to be the one, to, 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 to be a person whom we're called to be. But Lord, we know that if we just show up, the battle, the battle's won. Because Lord, you are with us. So Father, I pray 
As we answer the call, as we, as we answer to your call in our life, may we show up in our families, show up in our workplaces, show up in, in, in a way that we can live in the gospel, live in the way that you have called us to live. May you encourage us. May you empower us. May, may you bring people close to us to help us on our journey because, Lord, we're not doing this alone, but, Lord, you given us hug church so that we cannot, so we don't have to be alone, but we could accomplish great things together. So, Father, may we open our hearts to where you called us to go. We love you. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.